Greetings. I'm so glad you're with us again today. My name is Deb Bowl, and I, my husband and I have been doing prayer resolution for quite a few years now. And it's my privilege to go over chapter 7, which is page 43 of your written syllabus. Um, and this is called Patterns for Prayer Resolution. This is kind of like, what does a session look like? So for those of you that are brand new to prayer resolution, you're listening to these maybe for the first time that you, um, this teaching for the very first time, it's like, what does all of this look like? Well, I'm going to go over kind of what a session looks like. So for you, it will kind of give you an idea of what to expect. For those of you who have gone through the training before, maybe you've had the opportunity to take care of the hurts in your life, and you are now thinking about, how do I use this with my friends? How do I use this with those who I know are hurting? Um, I will go a little bit deeper into some things for you. So, Patterns for Prayer Resolution, Chapter 7. We know that one of the distinctives of prayer resolution is in the title. It's all about prayer. And it's about communicating with God and giving God the opportunity to work in our lives. So, when you are planning a session, you want to set aside three hours of time. And you say, wow, why three hours of time? Well, the goal is whatever the event or whatever the person is that you are working through that the hurting one is bringing before the Heavenly Father, you need time to complete that event entirely. You don't want to spend the whole three hours talking, but you want to talk enough to understand the issue and then be able to pray and resolve the issue. So that's why we set aside three hours. Now, there will be times that you'll go a little over three hours. There will be times that after two hours, you're done. If it was a really big person um, or a person that had a lot of influence in the hurting one's life or an event um, that was significant in their life, after two hours, maybe you have discussed it and you have already prayed through it and you're done. Your hurting one is tired, and you may only go two hours that time. Flexibility is important. And the other thing to remember is, if you're doing this at the end of a work day, maybe you have already worked eight hours at your job, or the hurting one has worked eight hours at a job. They're going to be tired. And doing prayer resolution is very tiring. It's emotional. And it takes a, it takes a toll. So that's why the time you are flexible. Now there may be times when you're dealing with sexual um, sins, and there are several partners that were one night stands, um, and you can go through and take care of several in a night, um, and then in a session. And then there are those times that it's maybe one person who had a big impact and it takes you a lot longer and you don't get through as many. The other thing to remember is you want to be thorough when you do this. If you're not, you're going to end up going back and redoing the event or this person because you realized you didn't get everything. So what do you do? How does the session look? 
um, when you are doing a prayer resolution. You always start with an opening prayer. This is just as soon as you have greeted each other, you have sat, you found your place. Maybe if you're online doing this, you've opened, you've connected, you make sure lighting is okay, you can hear each other, and then you start with the opening prayer. This is a prayer to kind of set the stage. And first of all, we're praying to God as our Father. This is what we want the hurting one to do throughout their prayers. And so we set that example by praying to our Heavenly Father. We come boldly. Hebrews tell us to come boldly before the throne of grace. And we do that as his sons and daughters. And in our opening prayer, we acknowledge that. We um, thank the Father. Now, maybe at the very beginning of your prayer, you're going to thank God for the beauty of the day or something about the season or whatever it is. As I'm taping this, this um, this is Good Friday. And so if I was doing a session today, I probably would start my prayer by thanking God for this season, this time when we remember Jesus' sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, um, and thank the Father for that. Here in Minnesota, sometimes in the winter, if we have a sunny day, I just thank the Father for the sunshine and to warm the day. It's kind of just the start. Then we thank him that we can come to him as Father. Abba, Father. Because we are his sons and daughters. Because we have been redeemed. We have been acknowledged. Our opening prayer is also an acknowledgement of the work of the Godhead, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So after we thank the Father that we can come to him, we acknowledge that we come to him because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can come to him and we thank the Father for Jesus. And we acknowledge Jesus' presence in our session. It says where two or three are gathered together, there am I in their midst. And we acknowledge and thank Jesus for being with us, for the power and authority that he brings to us. And that as we are three, usually it's three, it might be two, but as we are two or three gathered, we have his power working in our midst. Um, Because when we agree, then we... Um, have his power in our midst and we recognize that Jesus has given us the power to come to the whole to the father and then we put this power that he has given us under the control of the Holy Spirit we thank the Holy Spirit we invite him to come into our admit into our midst and to be part of our group to give us the wisdom to direct us, to guide us. We know that he dwells in us, and we are acknowledging that we need to listen to him. I know as I began prayer resolution, um, began helping others, uh, it was a little intimidating for me, but I always knew that in that opening prayer, As I invited the Holy Spirit in, I acknowledged that I could not be doing this without his help and without his power to guide me. 
So we are acknowledging that we're under the authority of um, the Holy Spirit in our work. And we ask him to give us understanding and clarity about whatever the issues are that we're going to talk about that day and that session. And then we state the purpose. Why are we here? We're here to do God's work. We're here according to his will. We're here to do what the Heavenly Father wants us to do. Um, And we know that his desire is that the hurting one be whole. And that's what our goal is um, when we um, are gathered together. But we also know that when we're doing God's work, that there is an enemy that does not want us to do God's work. And that is Satan and his hosts. And we acknowledge that Satan is present and we ask the Holy, we ask the Father to put a hedge of protection around us. To put a hedge of protection around the place where we are meeting. To put a hedge of protection around our families so that they don't need us during this time period. To put um, a hedge of protection around our property so that it doesn't break or need us while we are there. Um, and any other special people that we are, um, that are in our lives so that we can have this time undisturbed. We also pray for technology to work so that it doesn't, um, become a distraction as we're doing God's work. So all of this is included in our opening prayer. We're coming to God as Father, acknowledging that He loves us, that He cares for us, acknowledging that we can come to him because of the blood of Jesus. We thank Jesus for being there as we are gathered together and giving us the power and authority to do this work. We acknowledge and invite the Holy Spirit in to be a part of our group and to give us the wisdom. And we ask for protection from Satan that he does not interfere with the work that God is doing and wants to do in this session. And it's always a good time after that that we remember to turn off our phones because we don't want them beeping or we don't want them ringing in the middle of the session. So it's always a good reminder at that point to remember, is your phone turned off? If it's on vibrate, vibrate, is it put away? So um, I remember one hurting one that just really didn't want to be there. And the phone was on vibrate, and they kept looking at it all the time. I don't know if it was always vibrating, but it was a distraction. And so, um, but they didn't want to be there. And so it um, it provided the distraction they needed um, to keep God from working in a lot of ways. So anyway, that is your opening prayer. That is how you begin, and it sets the stage. And on page 43 in your syllabus is where um, there is the example of the opening prayer. Now, you say, okay, I'm getting, I'm going to be helping someone. How do I remember all of this prayer and stuff? Well, you can take your syllabus, it's in a notebook, and have it open in front of you. Or what I have done is I have a small book that I have taken each of the different elements of a prayer 
and put them in this notebook along with a couple of other notes of things that I want to remember about that prayer. And in the beginning, when I was learning, I would have that open so that I felt more comfortable. I felt that I wasn't going to forget anything because, you know, God understands. If we forget something, we go back and pick it up later. But that has helped me. And in fact, in my notebook, I have each of the different prayers um, in here. I have an example of the timeline that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. And what kind of questions do you ask? Um, so that when we're going through, I can make sure that I get everything. The effects of sexual sin. That was what we heard about on Thursday. And so I have the prayer here so that I remember the different parts and so on. So each prayer is in a different page in my little book so that I can remember. And sometimes as I'm going along, um, you also want to have a copy of the prayer, um, particularly the prayer for resolution, um, to give to the hurting one so that they also see the steps. In the beginning, you're going to guide them through each step. But as the process goes, by them having a copy, they can begin the accusations and the forgiving and the justice and giving up the right to accuse that person again. They can begin to do the steps a little bit more on their own. So on 43 and 44 of your syllabus are the the um, steps to the opening prayer. And then there is just one written that is an example of what an opening prayer would look like. Um, make it your own. You don't want these to be stock prayers that you do the same thing, say the same exact words every time. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you as you are praying. We know he's the one that takes our prayers up to the throne and allow him to um, to work. Now, as a safe others, you may have an idea of what it is that we're going to work on today. Um, as has already been mentioned a little bit, we tend to start with sexual sins because God has laid out pretty clearly what is sin and what isn't. Um, it's a little bit more black and white than some of the other issues that you're going to deal with. Plus the fact that as they confess and break bonds with each of these sexual experiences they've had before marriage that were unholy experiences um, or illegitimate experiences that they may feel God taking chains off. One person we worked with that every person, every time, he just felt another chain being unwrapped from around his body. And that was the visual image that God gave him as he was being cleansed. So our goal in a session is to take care of everything that we've identified and that the Holy Spirit has brought up. This comes as you take a timeline, which is what I'm going to talk about next. But in the timeline, you get the facts. And now is the time that the hurting one gets to tell their story. So if you're beginning with sexual issues, you start with that first sexual experience um, and maybe you had written in your notes that they played doctor with their cousins um, when they were eight. 
Well, playing doctor can mean lots of different things, but this was um, actually where they were touched by a cousin, whether older or younger, but playing doctor um, inappropriately touched. And so this is an issue that needs to be dealt with. So you had written in your notes playing doctor. Well, now is the time that you get a little bit more of the story. One of the things you want to be careful of is as they tell their story, you don't need all of the gory details about their sexual acts. Just the fact that they had intercourse, oral sex, whatever with this person. Um, You don't want those images floating around in your mind. And I think, as was mentioned earlier, um, sometimes afterwards you have to ask the Father to cleanse you so you don't have images left over in your mind. But as they're telling the story, you can get the details without the gory details. And that's kind of what you want to do when you are hearing their story. Um, Our goal is to take care of, like I mentioned, all of the events in their life. So we start with sexual, we move to family, and then move on to rebellion, to vows and lies, as we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead. But all of this was gleaned from the, um, the history that you have taken. So you have a plan. You've decided, you as a safe other have thought, well, we're going to start with sexual and this is where we're going to start. And usually in the beginning, that's what you do as you go along. But after you've been meeting with somebody for several weeks, you may start your session with, how are you doing? How have you seen God working? What have been the results of God working of the stuff that we've already taken care of? And it may lead the hurting one to share something um, that has come up in that week. Or maybe something happened at work that week and it's really bothering them. And that's where you need to go. And you need to take care of that um, rather than writing it down for later. Let's just get it off the plate right then and there. So don't rush it. Take your time as you are um, working through the issue. Now, as you're going to hear later, when the hurt, as a safe other, you're going to be taking lots of notes. So you want some kind of a notebook to be able to write things down, starting with the history and then as you deal with things. Because this is then how you go through and you know, yep, We took care of that person. We took care of that event. And you know how the, um, how you're working through the events. Prayer resolution is not an open-ended meetings. It doesn't go on and on forever. Generally, it's about 30 to 40 hours. So somewhere between 10 and 15 weeks. But it depends on the depth of the wounds of the person that you're dealing with. And um, once you get done, you might want to check back in with them in three to six months to find out how they're doing. Hopefully they have learned the process that they can keep short lists. but ho- And hopefully they can take care of some items by themselves. But maybe the Holy Spirit has brought something up in their life and it's time to take care of that now. And you want to do a checkup with them. But it's usually... Um, a certain amount of time 
that you are going to be meeting with them. You don't know in the beginning, but as time goes on, you'll figure out how many weeks it is that you need to take care of the events in their life. So this is the time now, as we pick the event, they tell their story. And as they tell their story, you're also going through, excuse me, and figuring out what are the accusations that need to happen what are the confessions that need to happen? And as you may be as the safe other, you're listing those down as they talk about when you're talking about a parent. What was they? What was their upbringing like? And as they list out the things that they need to accuse their parent of, um, you're making a list. And then before they start to pray, you go over that list and say, how does this sound? Is there anything else that you need to bring up? So as you're getting their history, as you're taking that event, um, for example, if a woman who has been raped, you don't necessarily just accuse the person that raped her and forgive. Okay? Prayer done. No, who else was involved? Or who else should have been there? How did they feel? Why does it hurt? Um, who caused the hurt? What else do you feel? When this happened, what did you do? Um, who else contributed to the hurt? So maybe there was the betrayal of a friend in this rape situation. That's part of the greater circle that needs to be covered. And so as the story is being told and you ask these questions... Now, you didn't ask these in the beginning with the um, timeline, but you ask them now as you are diving deeper. Um, and maybe who should have been there at that time. So when you have the details and you know the accusations, then you're ready to bring for the hurting one to come to the Father in prayer. As safe others, we do not pray for the hurting one. They bring their own prayer up to the Heavenly Father. So on page 46 of your syllabus is the elements of a prayer of resolution. Of resolution. Um, we did go over this prayer when we talked about forgiveness. But I'm just going to review it a little bit right here. So you understand the issue. That's where the hour and a half talk about this person, about this event, comes in. And you have your list of accusations. The person who raped you, um, how they betrayed you, how they, um, what happened that led them up to that event. Um, all of these, you list them out so that you know what it is that you're forgiving that person of. And part of the reason we do that and take notes is because, especially when we're dealing with parents, later on, something may come up about mom or about dad. And the question is, did I deal with that? You go back in your notes and you see the list of accusations and you say, yeah, you did. This is what you said in your prayer. This is what you said um, in your accusations. So then that allows the hurting one to know that it's already been taken care of and um, that Satan shouldn't be using it and can't use it. They can say no to Satan. I've already taken care of it. 
So you make your list of accusations. And then the hurting one decides if they're going to forgive or not. We were dealing with a young man whose father had provided magazines. Actually, the father had hidden the magazines, but the young man had found them. And it was a start that led into pornography. And as the young man was accusing his father of having those magazines around, when he got to that part of forgiving him, it took a little bit. The tears flowed. He said, this is hard. Because he realized the huge impact it had on him his entire life. So don't hurry it. Make sure that the hurting one is not just saying the words, but is actually forgiving from their heart. And after they have forgiven, they ask God for justice, to do justice in that person's life on their behalf. And they know they're going to be satisfied because the Father is doing the justice. They give up the right to accuse that person again or to bring the same offense up before the Father or to tell others about the offense because it's been placed in God's court and He's going to take care of it. Then we come to the confession part. If we haven't talked about the confessions before we go through the accusations, we may stop the prayer here and say, do you know what you're going to confess? And a lot of times what happens is when they get in prayer, either accusing, the words may change. Sometimes they come out stronger than what we had talked about because the Holy Spirit is working in that hurting one's life and is bringing the emotions behind the event there. And the same thing with the accusations. Maybe they only thought of one or two things. But then in the prayer, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, brings more confession to their mind. And they confess, if it's pertinent, if it's something that they need to do. And they ask for and receive the Father's forgiveness. And then as we will talk about with the different events, and as you saw with sexual sin on Thursday, there are other things that may have to happen depending on what the sin was. But this is the basics of the um, prayer for resolution. After they have confessed, then you... Um, ask God, they give the God, um, emotions to God to take far away because they don't need that anger anymore. They don't need the bitterness which they have confessed. And they ask the Holy Spirit to put those memories under a blanket, in a box, under his control, so that Satan can't dig them out and use them, and they can't bring them out and use them to incriminate themselves. But there may be a time that God is asking them to testify what he has done in their life. And then those memories will come out. But there will be no emotion attached to them. The emotion of the hurt and the pain will be gone. So that is the prayer of resolution. And then it is followed right away by a prayer, a witnessing prayer. This is what the safe others do 
to acknowledge the hurting one's prayer. I imagine us all standing before the throne of God. The safe, as safe others were there asking, acting in the role of the Old Testament priest, coming with them before God, bearing their burdens. And now with safe others, we witness the prayer. We say we agree with it. We, we agree that what they have said, their accusations were accurate. They were from the heart. That they, um, they had the right to bring those accusations before the Father. And that we heard them choose to forgive that person. They did ask for justice and they have given up the right to accuse that person again. So we acknowledge what the person um, before our Heavenly Father, what the hurting one has done and has said. Then we acknowledge that they gave a heartfelt confession. That they confessed their part. And they asked for and received forgiveness. When God hears our prayers, time um, doesn't mean the same thing to him as it does to us. And so, in some ways, we're acknowledging that they are forgiven. That they have been forgiven. It's already done. Not God is going to forgive them someday in the future, but they have been forgiven now. And we help, and that they have been cleansed now. Um, the bonds have been broken. They're no longer there. We acknowledge those things, um, sometimes for the sake of the hurting one, so that they know what they said in their prayer, that it is done. It is finished. And we state, sometimes we'll say, Father, you have forgiven them. Because First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And that's what this, this child of yours has done. And then that the bonds have been broken, that they are cleansed, that the power behind the lie is broken, or whatever else has taken place in their prayer. We witnesses, we witness it. We agree which means it's adding power to their prayer. So these two prayers are done over and over for each event, each person in the person's life. We don't lump a bunch of hurts together. Um, we usually do it by person. And if there's more than one hurt that that person created, yes, we put them all in the same prayer because we're bringing this person before the Father. Um, and again, because we're specific, we know exactly what we have forgiven them for. Then if something else comes up, we go through the process of forgiving them for that thing also. Like I said, sometimes um, when we go through one, one major event... And we're done for the day. Other times we go through two or three. And the witnessing prayer is on page 48 of your syllabus. I'm sorry. Just keep flipping the pages and you'll be with me with the different prayers. So the witnessing prayer is acknowledging before the Father what the hurting one has just done. That it is 
um, complete, that the work is finished. Now, when we get to the end of a session, when we're done, we end with a closing prayer. Sometimes we will add a covering prayer before the closing prayer. And a covering prayer is asking the Father to cover over any hurts that have come up. Because I was talking about Mom and I was dealing with her, there were some hurts that Dad did that also came up. But we don't have time or we're not dealing with them today. So we ask the Father to put a cover over that hurt that it does not bother the hurting one, that Satan cannot use it in the week or in the days until we meet again, and that um, the Father will build a hedge of protection around the hurting one until we do meet again, and asking the Father to give a sense of peace and security during the time that we are apart. The closing prayer um, it's done at the end when you're not going to be doing any more business um, of the wounds or or talking about the people in their lives. Um, we do the closing prayer. And in this prayer, we thank the Father for being with us. We thank him for allowing us as safe others to have a part in his work. We thank him for giving us front row seats to watch the work that he's doing in the hurting one's life. Um, it is. It's so awesome to be a part of God's work. And we thank him for that. Um, there is not, um, the closing prayer is not listed here among the, um, these other prayers. But I believe now that I think about it, it is someplace else in our syllabus, and I'll find that, and um, we'll put it in the notes for when you're watching this. But the closing prayer, then, is acknowledging what God has done, the hard work that the hurting one has done. We ask for his protection in the week ahead. Um, we ask for peace and rest in the week ahead. Um, so that um, we um, we can go about our daily lives and not carry this burden that the hurting one has shared um, with us during that time period. And that is the closing prayer. Um, like I said, it might take 10, 15 sessions. Maybe it takes six months of meeting weekly or semi-weekly or um every other week with a hurting one um, to work through their things. But when you're done, and you kind of know when you're done, we always kind of feel like, okay, we wrapped everything up this session. We'll meet one more time to talk and make sure that we've cleaned everything up. During that week, I'll go back through my notes that I have taken and see if there's any stars that I made that we haven't covered um, if there's any lies that we haven't covered. Um, and maybe then when we get together for that last session, it will just be a time of review, um, making sure that everything that the hurting one wants to cover has been covered. And then at the very end, 
we do a releasing prayer. We have been acting in authority as a high as a um, an Old Testament priest with this hurting one as they have come before the Father. We have kind of been in authority over the hurting one. And now we want to go back to a relationship of a brother and sister in Christ. We don't want to carry that um, burden of authority anymore. So in the releasing prayer, we acknowledge that as safe others, we have come before you, Father, with the hurting one acting as the role of priest. It's been our privilege to do this. But now we are releasing this brother or sister from that authority and asking the Father to restore our relationship. You need to do this. It needs to be done. Otherwise, we continue to feel responsibility for them. And you don't, as the safe other, don't want to carry that responsibility around, particularly if you're going to be moving in with somebody, to moving in to do somebody else's life. You need to release this person. Um, and then you're also giving them permission in a way, but also encouraging them to use the prayers that they have learned as events come up in their life. That's the whole goal is that that hurting one not be dependent upon you as the safe other to pray these prayers, but that they can on their own. Um, if an event happens, we say keeping a short list. So after I went through with my safe others and I had accused my husband of the things I needed to, now if something comes up, I can just immediately bring him before the Father, accuse him, and forgive him, confess, and ask for forgiveness. And ask the Father to take the emotion that I'm feeling and put this memory under the Holy Spirit's control. I can do that anytime, any place. Now granted, I don't have anybody witnessing my prayer. But most of the time for these events, I don't need a witnessing prayer. But if something big came up, I would seek out a friend who is, maybe they know PR, maybe they don't. But I would just say, I want you to witness my prayer before the Heavenly Father. And then just ask them to pray and say, I witnessed Deb's prayer. It can be done. The other thing by releasing the person back to a brother-sister, sister-sister relationship is that when I see them and I greet them and I say, how are you doing? It's not as wanting to know all of the hurts in their life. It's a general, how are you doing? And then they can ask me back that same question because there is no authority. We are peers on the same level. And lastly, it also allows the hurting one to go to another safe other for... Um, to resolve an issue, that they can place themselves under another safe other to resolve an issue that has come up. Maybe you're not available, or maybe it's something that involves you, and they want to deal with it with somebody else. So by releasing them, then that allows them the opportunity to go to somebody else to resolve an issue if they desire. And lastly, we ask the hurting one to pray and release us from the responsibility and the role of authority 
that we have had in their lives. Having them thank the Father for allowing, uh, for us giving our time and energy to be a safe other, for the work that was done, and for restoring our relationship as that of a brother or a sister. So these are the elements of prayer resolution. These are the prayers that we usually pray. Um, and as we cover the different topics like lies, um, in your, uh, at the end of the chapter on sexual issues, there is the prayer with the sexual issues, releasing the bonds, uh, breaking the bonds, cleansing with lies. It's breaking the lies, asking God for a truth. All of those things are listed out with the prayers, and they come at the end of the chapters on um, the different um, topics that we will be covering. But these are examples of the different kinds of prayers and what's going to happen in a session. So for those of you that are new, hopefully this gives you a better idea of what to expect. And know that there's no right way or wrong way. Um, But these are the prayers that we know are effective. And if I forget a step, I can just go back um, and put it in later. The Father knows. He knows my heart. He knows my prayers. And the Holy Spirit is guiding my prayers up to the throne. And I'm very, very thankful for that. If you have any questions that have come up during this time of sharing with you, please make sure that you type them into the question and answer um, on the webinar or um, send them to the email webinar at cross-resources.org and someone will answer your questions um, in a short time. Thank you again for listening and for being a part of this training. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for this opportunity to um, share these prayers that you have given us through Connie and Richard. I thank you, Father, for the work that you do in the hearts of the hurting ones and even in our hearts as safe others. You are working in our lives in many, many ways every day, and I thank you for that. And I pray now that my words will fall upon ears that will hear and understand the messages and the things that you want them to understand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.